Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain the leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Today, I have the real privilege of interviewing one of my favorite people on the planet. Uh, Sometimes when I'm down and grumpy, I listen to Alex Absalom, and he lifts my spirits, uh, punctures holes in the cynicism that sometimes besets me. And I'm just thrilled to have you here today, Alex. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Well, I keep looking around for another Alex Absalom. So that's, <laughs> that's so kind of you. And um, it's, it's genuinely such a privilege. And uh, I've loved all the times we get to be together, Ralph, and you know, admire and respect you guys for what you've achieved. So um, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So this is a little different for me as a podcast. Normally, I'm I'm looking for somebody who's down in the trenches, digging dirt, you know, making things happen. Uh, today, I invited you on here just because you're you, and you're one of my favorite people. So just you know, tell us what's going on in in Alex's world and and what you see happening in the church world, and and you know, just your observations. So. Um... So along with my wife, Hannah, we lead Dandelion Resourcing, which is focused on naturally supernatural discipleship and mission. So I think our pathways originally crossed, Ralph, on that whole, you know, how do we go in mission? And obviously that's where you've done so much work and and creating discipleship cultures. So that's our roots. Obviously, from my accent, uh, we're not from the US, so originally from England. Uh, So when we were newlywed, we led a church plant in London. And then we were in Northern England and Sheffield uh, and uh, led a church there through quite a lot of change. And and in that kind of rebooting phase, it was always around how do we live on mission? How do we go? So that was a city where on a typical Sunday, under 3% would be in church. So you couldn't, I couldn't say to the guys I play soccer with or to the families at the kids' school, hey, come to our building, come to our event, because that just wasn't going to connect with most of them. So we had to try lots of things to work out how do we reach them. Actually, the Lord was great. We saw a real move in in the uh, little elementary school our children started going to. But um, anyway, we ended up uh, moving to the US. So we've lived in Oklahoma City, uh, Canton, Ohio, Northeast Ohio, and we've been in Long Beach, California. Uh, for seven years and we've been I mean over the years we've always done stuff with um, the wider church but the past four well four and a half years we've been full-time doing that and we're we're rooted here Uh, we're part of a a church here obviously and garden church and um, you know through all we've always done missional communities and planted stuff and tried stuff and experiments we you know we, we love to experiment have dirt under our fingernails but I think the thing that God's been speaking to us most about um in this past season is how do we lean into the empowering of the Holy Spirit? So I like you, I mean, I've read read lots of your books, you know, and, and, you know, I, I love working out how do we disciple people? Well, you know, learning best practices, learning tools, learning, getting those resources. So helpful. It's brilliant. Um, I love being on mission you know, I was talking to one of my neighbours this morning at 7.30 in the morning. I yelled at him out of the bedroom window and I went down and he was sharing some stuff. And he's a neighbour, actually, who 
this year has had an angelic encounter and has um, got transported in the spirit when he was praying. And he's just about come to faith in Jesus. Wow. So I think <laughs> so cool. I love, I love Jesus's evangelistic strategies. Um, but uh, so, so we love the mission, but the thing that God's again and again brought us back to is how can, how do we do this in a way where we're intentionally leading into the empowering of the spirit? And I think what I see, what Hannah and I see a lot of churches doing, and I, it's particularly, it was noticeable moving to the States from the UK, uh, where, well, here's what we see, and I'll tell you what we saw. So what we see is a lot of churches, they really love the Lord, you know, it's not like they're flaky in that way, they love the Lord, committed to scripture, committed to um, making disciples and so on. But I think a lot of what goes on is we, we're really good at organising, quite well, we're well-educated, we're fairly smart, we can get stuff happening. So we do all these things, but a lot of the time we wouldn't know or we wouldn't notice whether or not the Holy Spirit had shown up while we were right. doing that thing. And it's not, and I'm not saying be disorganized, but I think there is something about how we put ourselves into positions and situations where unless the, Jesus shows up, we're going to look like complete Muppets. Because that's what I see the early church doing again and again. You know, I, I was, I, I just finished writing a book on evangelism that I think is going to come out with exponential. And to me, um, the mistake we made with evangelism is, We've made our people either into inviters, you know, invite them to church and somebody will get them saved or, or salespeople. You know, you, you got to sell somebody a program. I, I'm trying to help people get to the point where you can pray with somebody. Uh, right. A couple of weeks ago, I, I worked with a guy in Bangladesh um, mm-hmm. on my website stuff and he was going through some stuff. And so I prayed with him, a very Jesus oriented yeah. prayer. He's a Muslim. And the next day he came back and prayed that God, that Allah would bless me. And then we, we prayed together again. And, you know, who knows what will come of that. But the, the perception that I have is in the, in the places where, in the times, when we've been pretty swift to pray with people who didn't know the Lord or didn't profess to know the Lord, they begin to look up. And I mean, quite often God answered in surprising and unusual ways that would lead to somebody mm-hmm. walking closer to Jesus. And because mm. I think it's a process. I don't think, you know, I, I, I'm not sure I, you know, I believe in a conversion experience much like I believe in the birth of a baby, but there's that pregnancy that comes before. So I, I think um, what you're saying is true. And one of the things that I like about being around you is I, I think I'm a sort of a, a dried up old reactive uh pentecostal you know i i grew up in some circles where some things that i saw i couldn't really buy and i overreacted and i really got into teaching the word and you know that leads you to mission and this and that but every time i'm around you it's like it, it reminds me of, of who we're supposed to be and i think that what you're saying is really wonderful well i'm very humbled obviously um i think and I think there's this dichotomy that we've made, which is it's brain or spirit, or it's, it's word or spirit. And I think it's both, obviously, and I know you believe that. And um, it's, you know, obviously, we, we, it's great to be educated. I've got a postgraduate theology degree, so I'm not opposed to that stuff. But I, I also think in, a, in an 
increasingly postmodern culture in a post-Christian world, uh, the way the where people are starting from is not the place where they want answers to apologetic questions. Generally, generally they're starting way before that, and they're most people are spiritual. There's not that many truly militant atheists out there. Even people who say they're atheists normally are not. They've read like half a half a book on something or other, and the Richard Dawkins book, and they think they're atheists. Mm-hmm. They're not at all. They've, I mean, the arguments can be demolished in about ten minutes. But but actually, what people really need is an experience. They need an encounter with God. And I think as people start to have encounters with God, that moves the conversation on so much more. And it stops it. it that very thing you said. I stop having to be a sales person and instead um i become what well, to use your you, well actually to use your analogy we become midwives yeah. so we help people have these spiritual experiences so so i mean actually it's interesting you talk about praying that's one one of the things we try and teach people all the time is to when you're on mission is to simply say can i pray for you yeah and it's like those words for us have transformed our evangelism and it's and obviously you're listening to the spirit, just being sensitive to the moment, but we lean into that an absolute ton. And so, so it could be, you're talking with a neighbor and they go, I'm so stressed about the kids and their behavior and blah, blah, blah. Now I can give good advice and you know, whatever. Um, there is a gift of wisdom. That's fine. But also somewhere in that conversation, if I can go, Hey, Hey Ralph, I know this might sound crazy, but I actually think Jesus wants to help you in your parenting. Could I pray for that? Now, could I ask God to help you as you parent? And I tell you what, I've never been turned down by someone who's not a Christian when I've offered that prayer, offered to do that. Now, sometimes people might think it's a bit, bit unusual. They think that. Uh, they don't quite know what to expect. Um, but we've had so many times where we've seen direct answers to prayer. I mean, we can talk about some of the stories. But even when the prayer itself isn't directly answered, people experience it as an authentic expression of love. Yeah. And I think if once people realize that you're a Christian, what they're thinking is there should be something supernatural going on. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? If we're just if we're Christians, but we look exactly like everyone else in the world around us, what's the point? Yeah. So we should have this connection to this divine, you know, their mind, mystical, supernatural being who's invisible. I don't quite know what is that God's like, but there's they know there should be some sort of connection. Yeah. So we should be able to meet, we, instance, we get empowered by Jesus to mediate something of that to people. Yeah, I found that that when we pray with them, it, it often opens the door, rather than us having to pitch something, they're, they're asking questions, they're curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I, I've learned to do is, and, and, I, and I won't do this until I've been able to pray with a person, uh, but then I'll, I, at some point, when I'm going through something, I'll, I'll ask this perhaps agnostic person to pray for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, that opens their eyes quite a bit. It's, it's like, uh, and I've never had anybody turn me down. They'll, they'll, they'll pray for me. And then, you know, it's like a whole nother ball game. Now, what did I just do? And yeah. that's, that opens some really wonderful doors and wonderful experiences. It does. You remind me of, um, uh, so that two winters ago, when we were in the midst of the pandemic, uh, we we'd written to our street, which is our primary place of mission uh, at the start early in the pandemic. And just, you know, just like it's a tough time. You know, if, if, we, if we can help each other, we'd love to help you, blah, 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 all that stuff. And we, we did various things, kind of community building during that time. But for that 
New Year, what we did, we wrote to people, everyone on the street and said, it's been a, you know, it's been a, rough, a tough year. Uh, what we thought would be good to do is have a, a, to mark the shift from one year to the next. And so what we're going to do is look, we're going to do a little event in our front yard where we let go of the stuff from this past year and almost like give it to God. And then we're going to, the second movement is going to be, we're going to ask God for the things that we're looking for in the new year. And the way we did that is actually when people came, we gave them paper and we to write down what it was, or they could draw it, you know, because there was kids there. And then when we had a little brazier going in the front yard uh, on our front path. And so, and we said, would you like to, anyone who liked to, would a few people like to read out what they've written? Loads of people read it out. And some of it was really powerful and moving. And we'd, you, we'd give them some ideas in advance, you know, sure, sure. but like, some really honest stuff. And then we got people to put it in the brazier and to burn it as a way of like letting it go. And just like trusting God with what needs to happen. And there's some stuff there isn't an easy solution for. If you've lost some, some died with COVID, like there's not a glib answer to that. Yeah. And the second half was we got cards, which we'd punched holes in. And we said, what would be your prayer to God for this new year? What would you like to, what is it you're praying to God for, for this year? Um, and we got them to write it down. And then we got these helium balloons. We bought a load of helium balloons for from the 99 cent store. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we got 99 cents, but it was great. So, and we tiled, uh, again, got people to read out some of them. There were some great things, some funny and some really meaningful and great. And everyone, and then, oh, by the way, each time we prayed. So we, one of us would pray, or I've actually, someone else wants to pray, a couple of people want to pray. So a few people prayed. And then with the cards, we tied them to these helium balloons. We went out to the middle of the street and then we did a countdown. Um, and even though, so, you know, obviously this, so for those who don't know, the, we're in Long Beach, Los Angeles. So here it works as you have streets and then you have back alleys behind the houses. Right, right. The utilities go on the back alleys, as you know. Um, so we thought, oh, we're well away from the wire. So we had this release and the balloons took off. And then this this horizontal wind came in and all these balloons swept over this house and got tangled in the power cables. Oh, no. <laughs> but then they kind of released and went upwards. It was, it was funny. Um but it was it was a really cool um, thing to do in the neighbourhood. With almost everyone there wasn't wouldn't describe themselves as a practicing Christian. Yeah, uh, we have quite a lot of Orthodox Jewish people on the streets. So one of the rabbis came as well, which was really interesting. Um, wow. But it was a it's just finding those s- simple spiritual things that enable people to start to ex- encounter God. Like you're saying, you're giving them room to express themselves. That's right, because you're talking about them praying for you, weren't you? Um, and uh, and just kind of recognize this is a journey. It's not all going to be perfect theology, but the good theology that will come over time and you will get the invitation to bring that over time as you walk with people. Yeah. 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 It's not always um, proper theology. As you're, as you're describing what you're doing, I'm thinking about uh, my own neighborhood. And, um, and, uh, and obviously I, I'm not going to run out there and do this without having plowed the ground a little bit as you did. Um, I'm a real shy person. I, I, you know, I'm good in front of an audience and, and if I get to know somebody, I'll talk their face off. But otherwise I I was in a, uh, I mean, we're in a new church and I was in a life group last night and I know a couple of the people there, but they had a little breakup time. They did, they prayed for some people and it just kind of, it just kind of broke out into little clusters. I just sat on my chair. I, I didn't, I, I didn't have the nerve to, to walk into somebody else's conversation. It's just the way I am. Mm. And so we, we did a little thing here. We, we're trying to uh, get our neighbors together for a barbecue. 
And um, there's three of them that for sure will be there. But there's seven houses that we would like to see involved in. Uh, one guy particularly, I, I, I'll greet him and I'll, he'll grunt. It's the nearest I get. There's, there's a racial barrier there between us. Um, but there's the same racial barrier with the guys across the street and we're all fine. And so, you know, he may be reflecting on her. I, I have no idea. But so we, we grew a lot of tomatoes in the summer. And I, I built my wife a little garden on the side of our house. And and so I went to the neighbors that I'm comfortable with and, and gave them a little bag of tomatoes. But the yes. guy across the street, I, I wasn't going to that door. Well, my wife had had knee surgery. So I had to drive her 200 feet down the street because <laughs> it's a real steep hill. So she goes to the guy's door and I hear her say, oh, you know, we're giving these, we grew all these tomatoes. We're just trying to give them to our neighbors. My husband would be giving them to you, but he's too shy to come to the door. And I'm going, <laughs> say that. But then he, got, he, he looked at me and he smiled. It's like the first time in four and a half years, this guy has smiled in my direction. Wow. So, you know, bit by bit, I, I think, um, these things need to happen and, and plow on the ground. But then what you just said about the balloons, I love that idea. The, the, the immediate fear that comes to me is in our, in that group of seven houses, one family, they're, they're preachers, they're pastors. And it's like, Oh, I'd have to worry about their theology. No, no worries about the agnostics. It's, it's the theology of the believers that sometimes hold us back from doing relational things that matter to other people. Mm. Yes, and we've had we've had uh, at different times and places we've led missional communities or microchurches, whatever you want to call them. And um, generally, we've not advertised them in the church we've been part of yeah. because, but you know, because you get that you know when you're in leadership as well, you can get a little bit people. Oh, I want to be in the pastors' group, and that just messes it up. Yeah. So we kind of want to be able to get on with. Um, reaching lost people and we we love doing that and obviously we love discipling investing well it's all discipleship but we love investing into believers as well but it's just sometimes people get a bit weird in those spaces um but I, you know i was thinking of another example um i remember one of the guys we, we used to live near this is a previous house and he not a believer um but we were just slowly drawing his family into the group that we were forming and uh, he lost his job and it was a real kind of specialist pharmaceutical sales job. And so he was out of work for like eight, nine months. And fairly early on, I'd said to him, hey, John, uh, so what you know, I'm, I'm praying for you, but I'm praying specifically that you this new that you get a new job. And not, but it's a better paid job and it's a more rewarding job and it's a job you're going to be more excited about. And really, that didn't look possible at that point of time. No. And so anyway. That, that went on. And anyway, we were out walking in the neighborhood because we do that deliberately because that's our place of mission. And we saw him in his garage and he, he comes charging out and he goes, I got the job. I got the job. And so he comes hurtling down the drive to tell us. And we're about to congratulate him and all that stuff. And he interrupts what we're saying and he points his finger at me. He goes right in my face. He's quite an aggressive sort of guy. And he goes, and I know it's because you prayed for me. <laughs> And, and I love the fact that the first thing out of his lips, basically, is he's giving praise to God. And he's quite a cynical sort of guy and all the rest of it, you know, sharp edges. But God used that. And I'd say something which, for me, wasn't 
terribly profound at all, but I just brought the spiritual into that moment for him. Mm-hmm. And, and he'd, he was seeing the answer to those prayers. So I just say that to encourage folks. I think lost people are really, really hungry, really open. Um, I mean, as we're, as we're, pre- as we're talking now, um, I know it's about a bit later, but it's just after Halloween. And I think when you see the, the, well, I mean, it's changed in the past 10 years, I would say. So it feels a lot darker. Yes, it does. Um, and you look at the decorations people are putting up. It's not kind of Charlie Brown and Lucy or something. It's, I mean, there are those, but there's a lot of really, I mean, they, they, they look demonic. Yeah. Um, and you go into the stores. We went into Barnes & Noble near us, and we walked through the entrance. There's like double doors and that gap between. They have books for sale. Every single book was about the occult. Like when right. I took a photo of it and there was, you know, there was piles of stuff. There's tarot cards, witches, um, Ouija boards. I mean, the, it was, it was totally demonic, yeah. totally. Um, and I don't think, again, I don't think it would have been like that 10 years ago in a big chain store like that. So our culture is changing. Now, one side of that, we have to be far more aware of the spiritual battle um, and the reality of demonic forces and there is spiritual warfare. And I think deliverance is going to have to come higher up the church's agenda. Yes. We need to equip people to do that stuff because we're going to, as we go in a more dark, in a darker world, and as we go further into the mission field, as, as the message of Jesus is less present in the waters, we're going to have to know how to do that stuff. But also, so that's the negative. But but the positive is, I'm also thinking we're in a world which is incredibly spiritually open. It's just they're dopey and don't look in the right places. Mm-hmm. So it's much more like the like the context of for Acts yeah. in somewhere the church. I mean, it's, it is a bit different, but it's. But there's a lot of people who've got no idea who Jesus is and they've got they're no real understanding of Christianity. And so they're searching for spiritual truths in all the wrong places, but at least they're looking. And so we can if we can work out how to engage with them at those felt points of need and respond as spiritual people in those places, I think there's a massive uh, evangelistic and missional opportunity there if we get our act together. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmoore.net.